Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're talking about establishing our narrative, our personal narrative. And so we're, we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 1, the very first sentence. It's a perfect first sentence for this story as God begins to give us our narrative. And if you missed anything so far, uh, please go back and check out uh, what we've said already about being creatures, that that's our starting point, everything in this planet is a creature. It's a copy. Nothing here is original. Uh, everyone was made by someone else who was also a creature all the way back. But eventually we get back to the original and we get back to the creator. And all this is important because we need a narrative that is trustworthy. You know, it has to be a narrative you can rely on. Um, so, but before we can get into this, uh, we're going to have to talk a little bit more again about transcending a scientific worldview, because this is going to be the hardest part of understanding the Bible. I mean, there's some there's some very real reasons why modern people don't get the Bible. And it's because we've been raised like no other humans have ever been raised in the last 200 years with science classes. And the world has adopted a scientific method approach to life. And this has never been the approach to life. And we're a lot more interested in the physics of things. And so let's just walk through that uh, real quick, okay? Uh, physics, it's really important. I mean, it's an, it's an attempt to understand the truth about the world. But there's physics, and then there's metaphysics. Metaphysics is above physics. It's not about the physical world alone. It asks a different set of questions. So... Both of these are branches of inquiry about life, and let me just break it down for you. For example, in, in physical science, materialistic science, you look at a thing and you, you ask maybe three questions. Number one, what is that? Number two, what's it made of? And number three, how does it work? And then, you know, it's a purely mechanical view of life. What does this thing do? What's it made out of? Because we also have a view to manipulate it. If we could, well, metaphysics ask an entirely different set of questions. It says, what does this mean? And what truth does it reveal to us? Now, both of these are really important ways to look at the world. And they, but they're not looking for the same thing. And because of that, they're, they're not going to give us the same answers sometimes. And so, uh, you know, I think they're both really important parts of knowledge, but vastly different, different in their approach and in what they're going to get. So this is a problem now when you approach the Bible, which is written from a, a traditional mindset. When I say traditional, I mean the entire history of humans until 200 years ago had a different way of looking at life. And so the Bible, my, you know, my point of view, is going to be that we are going to misunderstand the Bible and we're going to miss the biggest lessons that it has to give us if we try to read it with science glasses because science people didn't write this book and it does not address life that way. It's got another way and it's going to be a lot more in line with the traditional approach of seeing the world. And part of that is what is, what's the meaning and what truth can we find? And it's with an understanding that this world is a mystical place. It's got a physical reality. No one disagrees with that. And you can study and measure that. 
but that's not the whole story. There are things that are unexplainable through physical causation. There is another layer, and it's just as real as the physical layer. And this layer is uh, a, this layer is also open to inquiry, but it has to be approached with a different set of tools, and it has to be talked about differently. And so we're gonna we're gonna need to understand the Bible in terms of uh, symbolism, symbols. Now, I want to make a a pretty clear distinction here too, because I'm not talking about metaphor. I'm not saying really as so much preaching does, you know, you take all these stories out of the Bible and then somebody preaches on them on a Sunday and then they come to the end and they say, and that's why boys and girls, you should never X, Y, Z. So it's like, these are just sort of Aesop's fables about the world. They're totally disconnected uh, stories that give us little life lessons. I don't think so. I think the entire Bible is one message that leads us, and then, you know, it's bookended. you got Genesis 1 through 3, and then you got the last three chapters of Revelation that come right back to that same, um, that same line. So symbols are different. Symbols are different from metaphors. Metaf Let's take something like iron, okay? We can say a metaphor. Iron is like a heavy stone, you know. We can talk about some people have stubborn wills of iron, and we can say there's a fortress of iron. You know, that's a, that's a metaphor. It means it's impregnable. It's really hard to get through. But I'm not talking about the Bible being metaphor. I don't mean that at all. I mean the Bible is symbol. For example, let's talk about iron. Uh, iron has a symbol, F-E, and it has a number 26, but iron has a lot of properties about it. It's a material, you can touch it. And we could talk about the molecular structure of iron. It's got 26 protons, 30 neutrons, 26 electrons. They are in four different shells around the nucleus. And iron can be, amazingly, a liquid. Iron can even be a gas. And there's so much about iron, but all of that is contained in a symbol, Fe. So we can discuss F-E and know that we're talking about all of that, but we're talking about the reality of all of that. We just don't want to have to go through all of that every time we want to talk about a thing. And so when I say the Bible is written in the language of symbol, I don't mean it's make-believe language. I don't mean to say it's just uh, you know, a collection of metaphors. And uh, life is like this. That's not at all what I mean. I mean, the Bible is written in a code. It's not a hard-to-understand code because it is the ancient way of doing, not even ancient, it is the history of the human race's way of dealing with things, and that is build symbol boxes like F-E for iron and put the meaning in it, and then you can use those symbols over and over again. And what you'll find, sort of like the Matryoshka dolls in Russia, these nesting dolls, you know, you got a big one, you open it up, it's got a small one, you open it up. It just keeps doing that till you have these things stacked along the table. When you get a handle on the Bible and you start to see it in symbolic language, you realize, wow, every one of these symbols is a, is a micro of the macro. That everything being said in the, in, 
in many of the symbols is true of the entire cosmos. It's reality and it can be it can be seen in a smaller form, in a smaller form, in a smaller form, but we're still talking about the one truth. It's a brilliant way of looking at the world. And let me, uh, I want to actually read you before we get too deep into this. You know, uh, modern people have largely lost their grip on symbolic reasoning. And so we're going to have to put some effort and intention into reclaiming this for ourselves and like make a little extra room in our mind so we can have it back and understand the truth about our world and our place in it. And I think both of these ways are not necessarily enemies of of each other, you know, physics versus metaphysics. I think they're both about the same thing. I think in both cases of inquiry, the scientific mind and the metaphysical mind, they want to know the truth about things. We don't want to make believe world. We need we need a map about reality and we need to know which way is forward. So I, I want to read you, um, I find this book a little bit helpful. I mentioned it before, The Language of Creation, Matthew Pajot. And um, I just want to read one paragraph. Okay. He says, the scientist occupies the place of Adam in the universe in an attempt to correctly join heaven and earth in knowledge. Thus, in parallel with the narrative of creation, scientific understanding begins with a stage of confusion and vague intuition. So you look at a thing and you think, I think I know the truth about that. Okay. Then through a process of experimentation, it oscillates between established knowledge and discoveries that could undermine the previous model. So you're bouncing back and forth between um, what you have what you've proven to be true and then you go a little bit further out into the unknown and you're you're trying to bring some kind of imposed understanding on that and then piece by piece you keep comparing it to the piece that you believe you've proven but every now and then uh, the thing that you now prove undermines, the previous knowledge, you know, of what was true. So in none of this are we going to be rock solid certain at any moment. You you know what you know up to this point. Whether you're a scientific minded person or whether you're a metaphysical person, you have to be teachable. And your heart has to be open. I actually think the Bible's not here to give us all the answers and even to make us right and make us correct. The Bible's here to open us to a relationship with the God who made us. And if it does that, it is achieving its purpose. I don't have a relationship with the Bible. The Bible is a printed book. It's made in a factory uh, from the writings of the ancient manuscripts. I bought this with money. This is not a living being, but the message from God is alive and it brings me alive if I go toward God with it. You know, the idea is not to be in love with the Bible as the Bible, but in love with the Bible as a revelation from the God who made us and who is still very, very much interested in us. Uh, but in Pajot's book, he's got this diagram, which I'm going to put up right now. And if you look at what's going on here, this uh, square box in the center is the 
This is knowledge from heaven. These are things that are known. They are revealed to us, and we are absolutely certain about them. The circle is the, the frontier, the confusion of knowledge. And so, you know, as we bear down on the inside of this circle, we come to know certain things, and it pushes out and grows, and it grows into that circle. Um, but in the end, all that does is the circle gets larger. The circle is the circle of the unknown the circle of the other and what we're reaching out into because the unknown will continue to expand beyond our ability to know it. And so we chip away at it. We do the best we can because we need this knowledge and because it is our, uh, it's our birthright to have this knowledge. And so we turn to the Bible and we're going to read Genesis 1 verse 1. It's the most perfect first sentence. It's going to lay out for us the entire story of man. It's going to build the foundational level of our narrative in only seven words. Seven. Ah, it's a symbolic figure again for the activity of God. You're going to see sevens all the way through the story. Okay, so we begin. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In English, that's 10 words, but in Hebrew, it's only seven. This universe, material universe, has not always existed. There was a time it did not exist. The universe is not eternal. It had a beginning moment in time. That's been proven by science, finally. There's this really trippy diagram that NASA has of physical reality. And it's got it's got the universe and it looks like a sort of like a squid swimming through the ocean, maybe a huge octopus. So you got this uh, at the one end, the burst of the Big Bang, and it's created this ever-expanding universe. But then outside of the flow of the body, well, it's sort of like the squid body. It's a big, they've drawn it sort of like a net. Uh, outside of the body is nothingness. We're not talking about space. Space is inside. Space is part of the reality of the physical universe. But outside that reality is the nothingness zone. We have no concepts for something like that. But there, this is how the story begins. You want to understand where you're living. You want to understand what's going on around you. It's a physical universe, but it was created at a moment in time by a single entity. An entity created the physical universe. But, keep reading, it does not say in the beginning, God created the earth. A lot of people read this story and they think that's what they're reading and they just blaze right through it. It's like, whoa, go back to the beginning because this theme is going to be the entire book. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's not the same thing. The heavens and the earth, a reality with two dimensions. There's a higher dimension. It's not material. It's ethereal. It's rational. It has concepts, it has revelations, it has beings, but they're not material beings. In beginning, there were the heavenly dimension. There was a heavenly dimension and the material, physical, earthly dimensions. In the Hebrew mind, the sky and the land. And there begins the story because this is the story. This book tells the story and illustrates it over and over again of one world, a physical world, that was the dream 
of one supernatural being, and this being conceived of a world that would become the overlap place. The place of overlap between the material universe and the immaterial universe, between the world of things, material things, even he would cause them to become living things. There would be things that were sentient. There would be things that, that had minds, that had aspirations, and they would all go about. But there would be another realm that would coexist and mingle with that one. This one is largely, is much less known to the physical world. But it is just as real, and there is an overlap because the rest of this story, we're going to get to see the drama of it and the sad collapse within the heavenly realm and then in the earthly realm so that both of these dimensions are messed up, so that both of them become flawed by the free will choices of the beings that inhabit both of them because these two realms interact on each other and they affect each other. A realm that we're all very familiar with, it's like it's physical, poke me, I bleed, I have pain, I have a bed I can lay on, there's sky and apples and, you know, it's a physical world, but there's just as real in this same space, another dimension that is very difficult for us to comprehend. And you're going to hear more and more about that dimension. It's in the Bible, but it's also coming out more and more in science. And you're going to hear more and more about that going forward, because now the governments are in this big revelation period where they want to talk about things that we don't quite understand and our interaction with these things and with entities, and it's going to just keep going. But just to say, you don't need to be destabilized by that because it's in the narrative. It's right here in the beginning, from the very beginning. This planet was designed as the home of God, as the home of the Creator, and it is His dream world. It is the place where His heart is. It is a place where He intends even yet to make his home in the universe. And so it's the story is the battle for the earth and the battle for control of the earth because the heavenly dimension becomes fractured and the earthly dimension becomes fractured. And there's this conflict and bleed over and trouble between the two dimensions up until today. And that will lead us ultimately to Jesus who comes to heal the break in both societies and to become the Lord of heaven and earth so that we can get back on track and the dream of God and the will of God for the earth will be fulfilled. It's a beautiful story. It's a powerful story. And once you see yourself in this story, then all of a sudden life's not, not quite so unclear and so frightening but you realize we're still very much in the hands of the God who created the world. He protects it every day from destruction, and you are part of his creation. He loves his creation. He cares for it. He will sacrifice himself for it. We can trust our creator. And so it's a great big beginning to our story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're part of this story. This is my story. This is your story. So let's dig in and keep moving ahead and understand just what kind of world this is. See you next time.